0: The Performance Lab podcast is invested in the sharing of knowledge and cultivation of curiosity between makers. We invite guest artists to lead a workshop with the MFA candidates of Sarah Lawrence College, after which we interview them. We ask questions tailored to their individual practice, delving deeper into the how and the why of creation. Inspiration is all around us, but how do we hone in on the subjects that drive us? They share with us their tips, tricks, and sources of inspiration. Reflect on past performances and projects and, the and the keep us up to date podcast. with what's next. My name Stay is tuned Ian for the Baggins Performance and Lab podcast. I'm a grad
1: student at Sarah Lawrence.
0: And uh, my name is Curie Ellison, and I am a first-year graduate student at Sarah Lawrence College.
1: Today we have Beth- Emily Bricker, a Chicago-based director and playwright, and the founder of the theater cooperative Midwives. Hi! Could you tell us, give us a little description of your workshop today?
2: Oh, goodness. Um... Yes, I can. (laughs) Um, Well, today, uh, when I first started talking to Dan about coming into Sarah Lawrence and giving a workshop, it was partially share a little bit about what the midwives are, um, but also giving a little space to explore what critical response can look like in making new work. So we at the midwives try, and we have a bit of a mantra of wanting to, whenever we're doing something, we ask, is there another way we can do this? Is, is this actually how we want to be doing this? And so in the realm of feedback back down in the past, this is how different organizations that we've been a part of, but how, how can feedback look for us that reflects our values? Um, so how do we, and so a lot of the things that we talk about in the midwives is that a midwife can, can be really the role of a witness um, and reflecting for an artist both what they're hearing the artists talk about in their, in their discussion of their work, but also reflecting what they're seeing in the making and the process of that. Um, so we explored a little bit, some mock-up uh, midwife artist relationships and played, played around with what that witnessing, what that response to, just what, what you see um, and how that looks, what that looks like in regards to our work and ourselves as artists.
0: I wanted to know how um, your personal work has changed since uh, you've started the midwives and started working with artists in this way. If you've noticed a change in your process.
2: Yes. Um, Well, you know, my husband makes fun of me because he he'll say that, you know, I started the midwives really just to continue my grad school experience of having a cohort um, and having a community and, people to share work with and receive feedback from, and also to be inspired by. And so really, I think in starting The Midwives, one, it's the only way that I make, is if I'm practicing in a support in this way as well. Um, If I'm active, I only make if I'm actively supporting another artist. So that's one thing that I notice. Another thing is that I've just become, I've gotten a lot more generous with myself because in witnessing other artists, process and how it is impossible to separate our lives from our artistic lives that need to be generous with ourselves, that we can't control what is happening in our family. We can't control what's happening in the world. um, And all of those things affect what we make and and how we make it. And I think in the past I was much more harsh with myself of there's only I have to do it and I have to do it in this amount of time. And now coming, coming to a place of generosity with the process.
1: Can you talk a little bit about how your, both your personal work and your work with the group have been affected by the pandemic and what you're doing to stay creative and to stay connected to your community in this time?
2: (sighs) Lots of deep breathing. The original founders of the midwives um, met. That core group continued to meet every month, um, and so we met last a couple of weeks ago to discuss like what should we be doing right now. And so we all reflected to each other of how we were experiencing it and how it was affecting both you know our lives, and and kind of the logistics and of our lives, but also how it was affecting us as makers. And it's interesting, a lot of us spoke to the fact that, okay, now we suddenly have a lot more time than we are used to, whether that's because we don't have a commute anymore or because we were laid off from our day jobs or I don't know, we're not going out to things, um, that we suddenly have a lot more time and it's a lot, it's unstructured. And in a lot of ways, we in the past before all of this we would talk about oh if i only had more time i would do these things and now i suddenly have all of this time why am i not doing those things and similarly to what i was talking about before of i think a, a huge part of the midwives is finding a generosity for yourself and that we talk about we we talked as a group about how even though we have so much more time it's tumultuous time it's time that's Folks stressed about how we're going to pay our rent. It's time that's stressed about or worrying about our families and ourselves and getting sick. If we're going to have health care, who our next president is going to be, what is happening, when will all these things happen? So it's a very tumultuous time. And we encourage, we're currently encouraging our members to take the time that even though we have a whole lot more time, it doesn't necessarily need to be time that we're productive. Um, And what does productive look like? That to find the things in our lives that can give us a sense of grounding and I'm not even sure what the word is, um, I just will return to grounding. What's gonna make you feel okay today? What's gonna make you feel okay in this moment? Um, And that's gonna look different for everyone. So really I think at the bottom line we've been as a group and to our members talking about let's step back, let's get more rest, let's try and make some food and eat it slowly and and not be as stressed about what am I how am I being productive in this moment.
1: So you talked a little you talked just now a little bit about structure. Uh, and you mentioned it also in the workshop. Can you talk about how structure contributes to your process as an artist and what you crave in relation to that? I mean, when, I, when you first say structure, I think of like just structure of my life. Is
2: that, is that what you're pointing at or? or...
1: Um, both structure in terms of how you put together the world around you and in your process.
2: Well, the first thing that comes to mind is that in the first year of the midwives, the artist who was my midwife, her name is Jana, she did this, she created an exercise for me that I will always return to, and it's largely a connect to this idea of structure, Um, but she created an exercise for me that we just call the menu exercise, and at that time, she reflected to me, she was like, it just seems like you want to, you just need some small victories. You need to like finish something and feel good that it's done. And so we started to identify what are the things that breed creativity for me that are generative, that that aren't necessarily the out the, the, the creative act in itself or the making act in itself, but what are the components in my life that I need in order to be creative? And we brainstormed a list of like five-ish things that are small kind of tangible acts. In that at that time they were like go for a walk or cook or bake something or go to yoga or read <laughs> read for like 20 minutes uninterrupted. And I continue to return to those things. The the rule at with Jenna the rule was do one of those things a day and kind of and celebrate it. Celebrate that you gave yourself 20 minutes to read. You gave yourself that yoga class, you gave yourself the time to bake those cookies. And that that time is not wasted time. It's not avoidance time. It is an activity that helps you do the other thing. Um, So when I think about structure, I largely think about kind of my day in that menu format. What are the things that I want to give myself that will help that other thing but i've also started thinking about it in a larger sense of like what are the things that are going to help that, that relationship or that are going to help that career advancement or you know that it's it's really easy to look down the line and be like i want to finish that huge project but i've started much more thinking about what are the tiny things that are all in pursuit of that that thing further down the line but kind of breaking it down for the day-to-day stuff. I don't know if that answers your
1: question. That's where my brain went. <laughs> I love that. Kyrie, do you have anything?
0: I do, yeah. You mentioned reading as one of your, your small victories or things that you can give yourself. Is there anything that you're reading or listening to right now that you would recommend sharing with anyone?
1: Oh,
0: um, what?
2: I, I mean, right now I'm reading some novels um, just to... Just to uh yeah just to get by um and i i do think you know i often i will think of yeah kind of fiction or pleasure reading as oh it's not super useful but the more that i the more that i give myself space for that kind of stuff i know that that's a grounding space for me and also uh an inspiration space for me so i just finished the over story that one, it, understory, upper story. <laughs> um, check it out. It's one of those words. I think it's the understory. Now I'm, now I'm not sure. Um, but it's largely around trees and nature. It was re- and it was a recommendation to me. Um, but the thing that I'm currently reading is the Poison Wood Bible. But yeah, those are the two things that kind of come to mind. I am actively trying to not listen to the news. Like listen to the news for 10 minutes and then I try not to. Any And as far as other content, I don't, I think I'm not embarrassed to admit this, but the other thing that I'm taking in as far as like TV or movies um, is Deadwood, which I had never watched before. And I had always been recommended. And I just want to say it's fantastic. It's fantastic. So,
1: <laughs> What So you talked a little bit about how your menu feeds your work. What is there anything that you're working on right now that you can direct back specifically to one of those items?
2: Yeah, probably the, the project that's most present for me right now, and I've been working on the longest, is a collaboration with, um, with another artist, Aliza Bartfield who I met actually at Sarah Lawrence, but she was in the creative writing MFA program. And we've been working on a project together since leaving Sarah Lawrence. So as Dan pointed out, that's been four years. Four years, we just continue plugging away at this project. And the project has evolved drastically over, uh, over the years, but it's always, the theme of the project has always been around domesticity, what makes, Domesticity, and it's called Bahamas, which the project originated with a short story that she had written. And Bahamas translates from Yiddish to animals, um, kind of drawing the parallels of we are, we, even though we try to create this very structured um, domestic space, are still at the core animals. Um, And so currently, we are actually. We've given each other assignments that every other week we either we meet or we send each other a story that is a voice recording from our lives. And the prompt is supposed to be, where do we see what, like, what's a domestic story from our life? That's a loose prompt. But I see, for me, it it is one of those, like, kind of tangible victories or, like, small menu items of, I know that that story is only going to take me five to ten minutes to do. Um, that it's a type of thing that I can say okay I'm gonna get that tiny thing done today and it is an active element of that product Um, and we take all of those stories and transcribe them um, and then are taking the text from them to make this piece so I think that for me as a writer I will free write and it's to have the time limit of I'm only doing this for 10 minutes or if I'm only doing this for 20 minutes it's kind of similar in this project of I know I only really need 10 minutes to do this thing Um, and it's a a small accomplishment.
1: Um, I want to kind of steer the conversation back to your experience at Sarah Lawrence if I can. Can you talk a little bit about your two years here some of the maybe pitfalls or successes that you can uh, advise those of us who are still here on?
2: Yeah. Oh, what do I want to talk about? Um, (laughs) you know, I talked about in the workshop that one of the aha moments of making the midwives was this sentiment that a director said to me while I was sitting in Italy that she said, um, she compared teachers to midwives. And so, that is where the midwives come from. That a good midwife does not give ideas. They help you find your own. And a lot of Sarah Lawrence for me was in this struggle of trying to get kind of in the traditional, what I think of a traditional education experience is so much, we're so much, so often told the right answer or that there is a right answer. And Sarah Lawrence, It's really uh, blew that open for me. And in that, the teachers never gave an answer. I just remember being in a puppetry class with Dan Herlin and telling him what I wanted to make, but having no idea how to make it. And I wanted him to tell me, and I was sure that he could tell me like, oh, you could do this or you could do this. And um, you could look at these different models of how to make it. And he didn't. he wouldn't tell me anything. Um, he was like, make a mock-up, like start, don't, don't like make the end product, product, just make a mock-up. And I was so frustrated in that process, but really that process, I mean, it's four years later and I'm still thinking about it, that what the gift that he gave me was the process, was making something that I didn't know how to make, Make, making a mess of it, and, and really making something that no one else would have gone around and made it that way. That he allowed for me to be innovative by not giving me how he would do it. And so I think about that a lot in regards to Sarah Lawrence, that um, in so many ways that's the gift that that educational experience gives. And really is something that I continuously, as a teacher myself, think about and is so hard because all you want to do is tell how you would do it or give the approval or disapproval or. Um, so, yeah, that's what I think about is the pitfall can be. And I found myself in the pitfall of constantly seeking how each of those faculty members do it. Um, opposed to embracing the environment that they were creating for me, which was allowing me to find my own voice um, and to find my own way of making.
0: Would you say that your artistic practice has a cornerstone? And if it does, how did it find you or how did you find it?
2: I'm just going to follow the first thing that came to mind and that I think even 18-year-old Emily would have said the same answer. (laughs) is that I think the cornerstone of my practice and of why I do theater in itself is for the community, is the making of community. And I I know that largely that's where the midwives have come from, is that I know that I do not make alone, that I must make (laughs) in community and in collaboration with others. Yes, I've made solo work, but it is so much harder Um, And I would much rather be in conversation with someone else or with a group of people. And so every year the midwives talk about, well, you know, in a good way, should we continue? That we want that to always be uh, an assessment every year. Is Is this serving our community? Is this serving us? And the thing that I always return to is, what does this thing give me? How is it supporting me? How is it serving me? And it really is supporting me in that it continues to broaden my community. That every year I meet new artists that I did not know, that uh, surprise and delight me, and um, and that that is so giving to my making process, um, but also just the joy that's in my life is who else. Else comes to the table, um, who else shows up?
1: Um, I just want to do a couple kind of fluff questions what? if you don't mind. <laughs> um, and most of these are going to come from uh, Kyrie, has been kind enough to uh, make a list of possible things that we could use. Um, so, what is your favorite takeout order and why?
2: Oh, what's my favorite takeout order? Um, Ooh, um, well, I'll say, hmm, hmm, it's always going to be some form of pizza. <laughs> I was very, we were very sad to find that our, our favorite pizza place or our closest pizza place in Chicago just closed. But if you were ever in Chicago, um, I encourage you to not do deep dish and rather go to Pequod's, which is a, a variation on a theme Um, but is, like, a really, like, caramelized pan pizza, it's
1: delicious. You won't move
2: for a long time after it, but it's delicious.
1: And what is your biggest pet peeve, either in your work, in your collaborations with people, or in friendships, or whatever? It's hard to pick just one, Anne. (laughs) Um, (laughs) two. (laughs) If you just need to have like five minutes of venting. (laughs) Right. (laughs) I know. Um, I think,
2: I think it's largely in the space of back to that, that idea of the best. I mean, the best collaborators are the ones that show up. Um, And I think, I think it's my biggest pet peeve is when people uh, um, commit to something and then, and then fall off. Or, or maybe it's the lack of communication of that conscious step away. Um, but I'll acknowledge that my entire life has been a struggle with expectations. (laughs) Um, and so I think that's always difficult. How do you keep those relationships close? Um, especially most of my collaborators are far away. Um, so how do you continue to keep that, keep that relationship going and keep the project going?
1: Um, And then finally, I know that you have a dog who I met very briefly at one point. um, And I think you should tell us a little bit about him. Oh, I'm so grateful. Um, Yes, I have a dog. His name is Gatsby.
2: um, And he is a golden doodle. And he's about to turn 10. Um, I know he is. I've been thinking about what's been. Like what's well, keeping me sane right now, in our world, and it's I, I was like it's either baking or it's Gatsby. That um, he, yeah, he's been just a a lovely. It's so he gives us a reason to go outside, and also is a huge comfort just in 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 the time sitting on the couch. So
1: those of you have that pets out there, hold them close. <laughs> doing exactly that here as well Emily thank you so much for joining us and uh, not for traveling but for showing up in video form when this is the best way that we as artists can connect to each other we're making the best of it and we will be having another one of these interviews next week so tune in next time
2: thank you guys so much thank you Emily thank you
0: the performance lab podcast was brought to you by contemporary performance network in association with the sarah lawrence college theater mfa program for more information please visit our website at www.contemporaryperformance.com or www.slctheater.com